Welcome to the Eternal Family Podcast class. This is class number six, where we examine the next principle on our list that makes successful families and marriages work, and that is forgiveness. When I was sealed, I noticed, here's the altar where I was sealed. I noticed carved into the carpet around the altar was a circle. Just a circle around the altar. And that has become one of the most symbolic things in my life. Inside that circle was my wife and I. No one else. That is my innermost circle. I share things with her I don't share with anyone else on the planet. She brings me greater comfort than anyone else. A hug from her means more than a hug from anyone else on this planet. And I would hope the same thing is true of her. I love her more than I love any human being. And I guarantee there's not a person on this planet, there's not a person on this planet that loves her more than I do. The other side of that is an interesting story though. Because she is in that inner circle with me, I could hurt her more than I could hurt anyone else on this planet. Would you agree? If you were to say the group of people who have the most bitter feelings for each other, what group of people would you be thinking of? And I guarantee at one point they were very close. Human beings get close because we bring each other comfort and happiness. But the closer you get to another human being, the more you increase the potential of being hurt by them and hurting them. So today we're going to talk about one of the most important ingredients in successful families. And I'm going to teach it in general, but then relate it to family. Forgiveness. I want you to remind, I want to remind you where we're at. Here is the proclamation on the family. Three families. Children of heavenly parents. Husband, wives, children. Jesus and the church. See our three families? And we've been focusing on improving this family by looking to at these two families. And our focus has been lately, this sentence, happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then specifically, which teachings? We've done faith, prayer, repentance. So where are we? You see where we're at? But how crucial that we learn to forgive. Of all the people on this planet, who should I forgive the quickest? The people in the, in the innermost circle. If one of you were to, you know, say something really rude, that was the dumbest class I've ever attended, Brother Dunford, as you walked out. And the next week you felt bad and you said, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said that. And I forgive you. 
That's a good thing that I forgive a, a student. But what would you say is more important in my life that I forgive my students, strangers who cut me off in the road, or the people in that innermost circle? And let's be honest, who are the hardest people to forgive? The people in the innermost circle, including myself. So do you see the need? Can everyone see how successful families have to have a healthy dose of forgiveness? So let me teach you the doctrine of forgiveness today, because Jesus is going to teach two very important doctrines. I need you to turn to section 64. We're going to let him teach us. Now, one of them, well, they, all, they both need a little explaining, but one of them a little bit more than the other. I want to point out two doctrines that Jesus teaches in section 64. Back-to-back -back verses. All right, we're looking at Doctrine and Covenant 64. Everyone there? Verse 8, doctrine number 1. Ready? Doctrine number 1 is that when you don't forgive someone, when they hurt you, and because they hurt you, you, re re you harbor resentment and anger in your heart towards them. Your anger and resentment don't hurt them. It hurts you. So first they hurt you, and then you hurt you. Doctrine number one is stop the bleeding and stop hurting yourself in the name of hurting you. It's like... I am so mad at you. I hate you. I'm going to drink poison so that you die. Doesn't work that way. So here's the doctrine. Ready? My disciples in days of old sought occasion one against another and forgave not one another in their hearts. And for this evil, they were afflicted and sorely chastened. Let me clarify, I do not believe, based on my experience and every scripture I've ever read, that he afflicted them because of it. I don't think he's saying, you didn't forgive, I'm going to afflict you. I think he's saying, the natural consequence of an unforgiving heart is that it hurts you. It doesn't hurt them. Now, I understand it. Some people have done some horrible things. I know this class well enough to know that some of you have suffered horrible atrocities at the hands of human be beings. They have done horrible things to you. And it's natural that you would want to hurt them back. And so you, resent, re, you, you hold on to hatred and anger and resentment in your heart, but your resentment is not hurting them. It's hurting you. First, they hurt you. And now you're hurting you. That's what he's teaching. Stop hurting yourself with an unforgiving heart. Let me illustrate. This is from a general authority who now has emeritus status. For much of our years, we lived in central Arizona. 
Some years ago, a group of teenagers from a local high school went on an all-day picnic into the deserts in the outskirts of Phoenix. As some of you know, the desert foliage is rather sparse, mostly mesquite, catclaw, and palo verde trees, with a few cactus scattered here and there. In the heat of the summer, where there are thickets of this desert growth, you may also find rattlesnakes as unwelcomed residents. These young people were picnicking and playing, and during their frolicking, one of the girls was bitten on the ankle by a rattlesnake. As is the case with such a bite, the rattler's fangs released venom almost immediately into her bloodstream. This very moment was a time of crucial decision. They could immediately begin to extract the poison from her leg, or they could search out the snake and destroy it. Their decision made, the girl and her young friends pursued the snake. It slipped quickly into the undergrowth and avoided them for 15 or 20 minutes. Finally, they found it, and rocks and stones soon avenged the affliction. Then they remembered that their companion had been bitten. They became aware of her discomfort, as by now the venom had had time to move from the surface of the leg, the skin, deep into the tissues of her foot and leg. Within another 30 minutes, they were at the emergency room of the hospital. By then, the venom was well into its work of destruction. A couple of days later, I was asked to visit her in the hospital. As I entered her room, I saw a pathetic sight. Her foot and leg were elevated, swollen almost beyond recognition. The tissues in her limb had been destroyed by the poison, and a few days later, it was found that her leg would have to be amputated below the knee. It was a senseless sacrifice, this price of revenge. How much better it would have been if after the young woman had been bitten, there had been an extraction of the venom in a process known to all desert dwellers. How did killing the snake bless her and make her life better? It didn't. It cost her her leg. Jesus is saying, don't be dumb. People say hurtful things. People do hurtful things. The closer I get two human beings together, the more they're going to say things that are loving and hurtful to each other. If I hold on to that resentment, it doesn't hurt them. It hurts me. So first they hurt me, and then I hurt me. That's dumb. So doctrine number one, stop the bleeding. Stop hurting yourself because someone else hurt you. Learn to forgive because otherwise you're just going to hurt yourself again and again and again. I think it's interesting in the story, right? Yes, they killed the snake and now that snake won't be hurting other people, right? But Let's say that they didn't physically kill the snake, right? They just like hit it with some rocks or whatever and it got away. I don't think the snake's going to be like, oh man, I learned my lesson, never going to do that again. Right? Yeah. So even though they tried to get avenged, like it's still not getting the other person to change their ways being mad at them, right? And what it cost them was greater than anything they were possibly thinking it could benefit them. Yeah. Well, we'll just make sure no one ever gets hurt by a snake. Is that worth losing her leg for? Probably not. Good point. 
There's doctrine number one. So let me just emphasize that and scream that out. If you hold on to resentment, if you have an unforgiving heart, it does not hurt the person who hurt you. It hurts you. So they hurt you. And now you're hurting you. And that's dumb. So all the more reason to forgive. Now, doctrine number two. Now, this one takes some explaining. So let me explain because there's a factor to it. So, so first of all, he says in verse eight, that if you don't forgive, you're going to be afflicted and sorely chastened. Doctrine number two, I say unto you that you ought to forgive one another for he that forgiveth not his brother, his trespasses, standeth condemned before the Lord for there remaineth in him the greater sin. Doctrine number two is whatever they did to you, not forgiving them is the worst of the two sins. You are committing the worst sin, not them. Now that takes some explaining. If, if someone was in someone in this room were, were, were abused, sexually assaulted, for example, and I hate them, what I'm doing is worse than what they're doing. Now, I know that's a, what, what? And so let me explain that. But you'll see it in just a minute. But yes, it's a true doctrine. What I'm doing by not forgiving is worse than what they did. Let me explain it. So everyone turn to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to let Jesus explain it with a parable. Matthew chapter 18, New Testament, Matthew 18. There's a beautiful parable. Let me get that ready and I'll get this ready. Okay, I need to draw this. I need someone to read. Anyone want to be my reader? Okay, you read, you just read the whole thing from 30, or from 23 on. Matthew 18, 23 on, I'm going to draw. Okay. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 pounds. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. But he would not, and went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that, all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee. 
And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Okay, I need you to notice that. This is a very important part that people miss. Because he wouldn't forgive, what happened? The debt was restored. Because of what he did to the king, he insulted the king's goodness and kindness. And because of what he did to the king, he got the debt back. That's an important piece of the story. He got his debt back because he wouldn't forgive another debt. Now notice this last sentence. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye, notice these three words, from your heart, forgive not everyone that trespasses against you. Now, let me see if we can put some meat on these bones so you can understand the offense here. This is a 10,000 talent debt. Jesus is deliberately being very astronomical. So let's, let's calculate. I need a calculator. Anyone want to be my calculator? Okay, pull out your calculator. One talent. One talent. I'll save you the time, but we could go to Bible Dictionary. Weights and measures equals 75.6 pounds one talent now what weight what what metal do you suppose we're talking about here given what jesus is probably trying to do what metal are we talking let's assume gold right so i looked up the price of gold today there it is today's price of gold is one thousand eight hundred and eighty three dollars and seventy cents per ounce so we got to convert this into ounces so one talent equals, I need, who's my calculator? Okay, 75.6 pounds times 16 ounces. One talent equals? Uh, 1209.6. Ounces, right? Now multiply that by $1,882.40. Multiply that by $1,882.40. One talent of gold is worth today. Yell it out. $2,276,951.04. Yeah. Now, this guy owes... How many talents? 10,000. So let me add four digits. How much money is 10,000 talents of gold? $22 billion. $22 billion. Servant number one owes the king $22 billion. Now, he doesn't, own a motor uh, he doesn't own a fleet of electric vehicles that he sells. He doesn't have a, an Amazon company. This man is a king's servant. He washes dishes and cleans up horse poop. And he owes the king $22 billion. Do you see what Jesus is doing? This is my debt to God. This is the atonement. 
This is my life, my chance at salvation. Every blessing I've ever received from Heavenly Father, I owe Him more than I could ever pay back. I owe God $22 billion, and I can't pay it. And because I can't pay it, Heavenly Father says, or Jesus says, I'll forgive it. What kind of king can forgive a $22 billion debt? Or the one who has paid dearly to be able to do that? Do you understand what just happened in erasing my $22 billion debt? And what should I feel? Absolute gratitude. King Benjamin says, if I should render all the thanks and praise I would be an unprofitable servant. He forgave a $22 billion debt. Now, along comes someone who hurt me. Now, let's do this one. Two more chapters later, there's going to be a parable where someone works from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and gets paid a penny, and the plural of penny would be pence. So this is 100, no, this is not 10, this is 100. This is 100 12-hour working shifts. So $15 an hour times 12 hours times 100. This is an $18,000 debt. Now, let me be very clear. Here's the doctrine. Ready? If I insist that you who hurt me bad pay this, you have to pay back what you owe me. It's going to cost me what? $22 billion. That's dumb. If I insist that everyone who hurts me pays me back for the pain they cause me, I get this back. Holding on to that debt costs me this one. So Heavenly Father says, you get to choose. If you let go of this one, I will let go of this one. You choose. You get to choose how much he forgives you. If you forgive quickly, he forgives quickly. If you hold on to 18,000, it's going to cost you 22 billion. But if you're willing to let go, if you're willing to let go of $18,000, he's willing to let go of $22 billion. Do you see the doctrine? You get to choose how much and how quickly he forgives you. He just follows you. It is hypocritical. You are a hypocrite if you say, you pay me, but you forgive me. It is hypocritical to say, you have to pay me because you hurt me, but I hurt you, so you need to forgive me. And so, you get to choose. You forgive that one, that one's forgiven. You hold on to that one, he holds on to that one. The only way to free yourself of the $22 billion weight on your shoulders 
is to let go. So do you see why I commit the greater sin? Now let me clarify. The person who hurt me still owes God. But what I'm doing to God is worse than what they're doing to me. I am insulting God's kindness. And what I'm doing to God is much worse than that what they did to me. It's not saying what they did to me is worse than what I'm doing to them. What I'm doing to God is worse than what they did to me. Therefore, let it go. I think the important part is like why, why it's the greater sin. Because, you, you know, that, that whole thing makes sense, but it, it makes even more sense why the difference is so drastic when we think that, you kind of brought it up earlier, that other servant owes the king the same debt. They have the same debt, but Christ suffered for his sins too. Christ forgave his debt. What you're doing in holding on to that debt is saying, the, the atonement doesn't count for you. You can't, that debt doesn't count. You still owe 22 billion to him too. You're, you're untouchable by God's ultimate forgiveness. And that's an offense to Christ. I get to decide who Jesus forgives and who Jesus doesn't. Really? Because you paid the price? Beautiful. Absolutely profound. One thing I think is interesting, you know, we're, we're having these two drastically different sums of money that are, are debts, right? And, you know, compared to $22 billion, 18000 is nothing, okay? But when, when you think about it, $18,000, that's not nothing. That's still a very large debt, especially if it's from one person to another. Yeah. And so what I think is interesting, you know, we, we can talk about how we need to forgive, but... It's hard. It's hard. But the important thing I think we need to remember is that the sum that we owe God is insurmountable. It is unpayable. We can't ever pay it. But we could pay a debt that we owe someone else and they could pay for us. And even if they can't. It's hard. It still hurts, but it can be forgiven. Yeah. I love, one of my favorite words in this whole parable is, what did the king do? He loosed him. He loosed him. What does that mean to you? Let it go. Here? In your head? In your heart? Let it go. Loose them. I know it's hard because this is a lot of money. But it's not compared to that. Loose them. Let me, let me share this with you because I think this describes why it's so hard to let go of. I use this with permission. One of my students shared this with me and gave me permission to use it. And I wonder how many of you could uh, relate. After this very lesson... She wrote me the following and said, I can't even begin to tell you how much this lesson has changed my life, Brother Dunford. 
In short, for years I have been trying to forgive my dad for his cruelty towards me and my other family members. I was that little girl who never felt safe around her daddy. As an adult seeking for healing, I have met with priesthood leader, therapists who specialize in trauma, and have counseled with my Heavenly Father, but still my pain from my experiences wouldn't go away. Most of it deep down was me not wanting to forgive and release him. I felt like if I forgave, then it would make what he did to me okay. Like justice would need to be met, would not need to be met because I forgave. So everything would be good. It would let him off the hook. I wonder if you, how many of you think that way? I can't forgive him because then it just makes it okay. And then he's off the hook. Listen to what she said. I wanted him to fix what he did. Now, however, I understand that his debt is not to me. The debt for my dad's sins has never been owed to me. The debt is owed to God. Now, will God hold him accountable? And I can leave that to Heavenly Father, can I? It doesn't make it okay because I forgive. She concluded, It is hard to put everything into a text, but I just want to thank you, Brother Dunford, for teaching this lesson, which has allowed me through the atonement of Christ to do something that I've been trying to do for a long time. I can honestly say that I forgive my dad. Now watch the 22 billion come rushing in. The freedom, the weight of that being gone. Watch it come rushing in. I can honestly say that I forgive my dad. And forgiving him does not let him off the hook because he's not on my hook. He's on God's hook. What a beautiful thing, the atonement of Jesus Christ. I am free. And not only was I freed, but I felt clean. After I loosed my dad from what he had done, I felt like Heavenly Father loosed me from things I had done. It was almost like God could only forgive me after I forgave my dad. I am free and I am clean. With all my soul, I testify of the power of that release, the freedom to be released from the 22 billion because I let go of the 18,000. That's the doctrine. It's hard. But if you will let go of 18,000, he will let go of 22 billion.
If you insist on holding on to 18,000, you are telling him to hold on to the 22 billion. You get to decide. That's the doctrine. In the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, they would take two goats. One goat was sacrificed for the people on the altar. The other goat, they symbolically put the burden of the people on the goat and then ran him away. He carried the burden away. Now, obviously, that's a symbol of Jesus, right? Jesus carries our burdens away. But there's a false version of that. If someone has hurt you, it's natural to put the burden on them, right? You hurt me, you fix me. How many of you in your mind and in your heart are requiring the person to hurt, that hurt you to fix you? You hurt me, you fix me. You caused my pain, you need to take it away. Isn't that the most logical thing in the world? So we place the burden on a human being. Now, can they carry it away? What if they were the most apologetic they've ever been in their whole life? Does it make it go away? Does it make your pain go away? Can a human being carry your pain away? I I've watched these people like their son got murdered, and so they, they seek for justice, and when the murderer finally gets executed... They go on television and say, justice was served. But I wonder how many of them go home that day and feel better because the bad guy's dead. Did it make the pain go away? There's only one person who can carry your pain away. And it's not the person who caused it. There's only one person you can place your burden on. Of his ability to carry your pain away, I testify. I have sat in the front row watching him carry burdens away all my life. I testify he can carry the greatest burden away. But no one else can. So stop hurting yourself with your lack of forgiveness. And place that burden on Jesus. Loose them. Loose them. And watch what happens when you are loosed from the 22 billion. That's the doctrine that will save families. Um, I don't want to read all of this. If anybody wants to look this up later, this has been really helpful to me in understanding this idea of forgiveness. But there's a BYU speech called Be 100% Responsible. And part of that speech, um, he talks about a woman whose husband has really abused her and how she's still suffering, even though she's out of the relationship, um, she still suffers because she has not been able to forgive him. And he explains that part of understanding forgiveness is to understand what it is not. It doesn't mean excusing the cruelty. It doesn't mean forgetting his brutality. It does not mean that justice is de denied. It does not erase the injury. Um, it does not mean trusting him again and giving him another chance to abuse her. Um, it does not mean forgiving his sins, because that's God's job. What forgiveness does mean is to forgive the person's foolishness, even his stupidity, and submit to the impulses of the natural man, at the same time still hope that he will yet yield to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness does not mean giving him another chance to abuse, but it does mean giving him another chance at the plan of salvation. It's beautiful clarification. Forgiveness doesn't mean come back into my life and hurt me again. 
I can put boundaries up. I should put boundaries up. That doesn't mean I lack forgiveness. But forgiveness is loosing. Loosing the debt. Letting it go. And putting the burden on Jesus. Not on them. Now, do you see how important this is in families? The closer we get, the more we bump into each other, the more we hurt. Of all the people in my life, who should I forgive the quickest and the most frequently? The people in that inner circle. I should be quicker to forgive my wife than anyone on this planet. The irony is, the closer we get, the least we forgive. And that should be reversed. May we understand the doctrine. Now, this is hard to let go of, right? Is this hard to let go of? (laughs) Let that go. But only by letting this go. I testify with all my soul that you are in control. I love that. I love that doctrine that a lot, that Heavenly Father hands the controls over to us. How much do you want to be forgiven? How quickly do you want to be forgiven? You show me. You show me the rules and I'll follow them. If you forgive, he forgives. If you don't, you were telling him the rule is I don't forgive so you don't forgive. Learn to forgive. It is the most divine thing that Heavenly Father does. Isn't it what makes Him God? Now, can any of you go to the celestial kingdom and be what He is without being able to do that freely and quickly? Now, do you have to do that today? No. But practice. Get better at it. Learn to let go. I met a man once that was tortured by the Nazis in World War II. He was tortured by the Nazis. And I asked him, if one of those Nazis makes it to the celestial kingdom, if they repent and make it to the celestial kingdom because of the goodness of God, will you forgive them? He was 90. This happened when he was like in his 20s. He said, I'm working on it. It's taken him a lifetime. Is that okay? Are these things hard to do? But can that man get into the celestial kingdom and not forgive his tormentors? He can't. I I testify to you of the two doctrines. Number one, the person you're hurting by not forgiving is not the person who hurt you. It's you. You're hurting you. Stop the bleeding. Number two, don't offend the goodness of God because you insist on someone paying their debt to you. Let go of their debt and be free of yours. I testify of the blessings that will flow into your life when you finally let go 
and place that burden on Jesus. He's the only one that can take it away. Of his ability to do it, I, t I testify. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Eternal Family Podcast class. This has been class number six, where we examine forgiveness. This week, would you ponder in your heart and perhaps discuss with someone a need you might have to let something go, to let an $18,000 debt go? Would you ponder whose debt to you have you been holding on to? And why have you been holding on to that debt? Why have you insisted that they pay you what they owe you? What harm has come into your life by holding on to that debt? And what cleansing and freedom, what power might come into your life if you free them and loose them of that $18,000 debt and enjoy the blessings of being freed from the $22 billion.